Good morning. Glad you're still with us. And today we're talking about go forever to keep on going. But before we get there, this has been a big weekend for a lot of folks, as I've seen on Facebook and heard in other places that you've celebrated birthdays and anniversaries and other events. And it was a big weekend for us, too, because our oldest daughter, Anna Beth, had a birthday yesterday. And because of that, all of us in the family remembered, remembered her, obviously. But Barbara and I especially remembered when she made us parents of how wonderful that was. And we told those stories and remembered the stories of what it was like getting up in the middle of the night to go to the hospital and remembering the doctor's hair looked funny because he had woken up in the middle of the night as well. And how wonderful it was when at 9.01 on that morning, a.m., she was born. And how beautiful that was to have that little baby girl, Annabeth, now in the world with us that we could see her. You know, it's wonderful to have babies. And there have been several babies born from this congregation even during the quarantine. And it's wonderful. We love those babies. But the baby I think about today and the mother I think about goes back to this may even look like a Mother's Day sermon. It's not, but obviously it's about a mother. It's back to Mary and it's back to Jesus. When she found out that she was going to have a baby in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 and 33, you can imagine what it must have been like when Gabriel came to her. And he said, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, it was wonderful having our baby, just like it was wonderful having your babies, but wow, can you imagine an angel coming and saying something like this to Mary? He will reign forever. And she's just a, a youngster. And hearing all this, it must have been overwhelming. My, my baby's going to reign forever. And this is coming from an angel of God, from Gabriel. How incredible that moment must have been. You know that Jesus was born, and you remember that Joseph stayed with Mary through all of that. And, and you remember that they went to Egypt. And you, you know most of that story, probably. Jesus grew up and... And, and when he was 30, started a ministry that lasted three years. If you know the Bible, and if you're a Christian, you know the story. But I think about this scripture. Next to the little baby here, and now I want you to see this scripture at another time in Mary's life and wonder if she remembered it. In Luke 1, 31 through 33, as she stood at the foot of the cross, where this son of hers had been crucified the angel had said to her you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the most high the lord god will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over jacob's descendants forever his kingdom will never end can you imagine mary i wonder if mary was remembering back to that angel as she stood there at the foot of the cross and there her son is. And what does this mean that God has said? I'll still be here. I'll still stand here even in his death. But what does this mean? That he will reign over Israel 
Yet now he's lifted high on a cross over Israel, and it appears he is doing anything but reigning over Israel. I wonder if these words came back to her as she stood there and tried to put it all together. You remember another scene in the life of Mary. After she found out she was going to have the baby, she went over to her relative's house, to Elizabeth's house. And Elizabeth was already pregnant with John the Baptist. And you remember whenever, whenever Mary came in and Elizabeth was there, you remember that, that the baby John left in the womb of Elizabeth. And you remember how excited Mary was. She had someone to share that story with her about what the angel had done. And Elizabeth could share what the angel had told them and how incredible all this was. And you remember that Mary then went and sang a song that sometimes we call the Magnificat. And in Luke 1, 46 through 49, this is a part of what Mary said. After finding out she's going to have that baby and that God is truly part of that plan and Elizabeth and John the Baptist and all that is part of it, she says, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servants. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. Some of you may remember what it was like when you found out that you were expecting and how excited. Some of you were maybe not as excited, but others of you were just overwhelmed with how exciting it was to find out that you were going to have a baby. I remember what it was like with our second daughter, Emma. We were in Kansas visiting Barbara's parents at Christmas time, and Barbara had taken a test that said she was pregnant, but we didn't know if those tests were real or false or whatever they were. And I, we were all so sick in the house. We all had the flu. And I went to the doctor. Barbara's mother took me. It was Christmas Eve. It was hard finding a doctor that was open. But we finally found one, and he's there, and he's telling me what I need to do and what I need to take and prescription. And I said, hey, while I'm here, my wife... My wife took one of those pregnancy tests. And he said, well, she's pregnant. So I went home back to Barbara's parents' house. Barbara met me at the door. She said, what did the doctor say? I said, the doctor says I'm sick and you're pregnant. And we found out that way that we were going to have Emma. And how exciting that was. You know how exciting it is to know that you're going to have a baby whenever you find out and they confirm and you see that sonogram and how beautiful it is and you just your soul wants to leap out. It's so happy and you want to call people. Surely Mary was like that as she said or as we say saying the Magnificat. And then I wonder if these words came to her again as she stood at the foot of the cross. And she remembered back to 33 years earlier, 33 years and a few months, when she had been so excited and she had said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Now, how could this be right now? What she's saying from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. I wonder if she felt very blessed at that moment. I wonder if she felt like the generations were saying, wow, you're blessed, Mary. Surely she didn't feel that. She watched her son hang in pain. And she said goodbye in the most humiliating way to her son. How difficult it would have been. I wonder if she remembered. Surely she did. She's treasuring all these things in her heart. 
You remember when Jesus was just eight days old, they took him up to the temple. And you remember what that must have been like, Mary and Joseph, and they got their little baby, and they probably got him all wrapped up and tight, and this is exciting. This is not just an outing. This is a religious outing. This is where their son will be given to the Lord. This, this is big. And they go, and you remember that there was a prophetess there by the name of Anna who had been waiting, and she says these incredible words over Jesus, and it must have been really amazing to hear what she said. And Maybe it's from God. Maybe that woman just doesn't know what she's talking about, but she said it. But then what might confirm it is not just one person says something like that. Two people say something like that. Because in Luke 2, 28 through 38, there were 35, there was a man there by the name of Simeon who says something incredible to Mary. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may know, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And the sword will pierce your own soul too. Wow, this was quite a statement, isn't it? There is a famous painting by Ron DeCiani that you can see here on your screen. This painting I have loved for years. It's Simeon, supposedly Simeon, holding the baby Jesus, realizing as he says to God, Now you can take me, now I can die, that I have seen the promised one of Israel, I have seen the Messiah. I have held him in my arms. It is a gift for the whole world. And how beautiful that scene was. And if you could see this picture of Simeon even closer, you could see that there are tears in his eyes as this incredible blessing has been given to him by God. But then it's not just something to marvel at that Simeon says how great he is, but also then Simeon says, there are people in Israel that will rise and fall because of your son. As Mary stood at the cross, it must have seen, seemed like, to some at least, that her son had fallen. He had been beaten, it seems like, as he's there hanging in pain. With people around him, both the religious leaders and the, and the soldiers, saying awful things about her son. You don't want to ever say awful things about a person and we often, we might say something, but we're not going to say it to their face, right? That's what we do. You certainly don't want to say it to their mother or in earshot of their mother while they're dying. And here she is, and I wonder if she remembers the prophet Simeon and what Simeon had said about how great her son would be and how others would rise and fall because of him. And now he hangs, and his life may seem like it's over. Well, I wonder if her mind went to another time in the life of Jesus. The Bible moves quickly. And there's a little snapshot of the life of Jesus when he was 12 years old. You remember he was in the temple. Let's read that in 46 through 51. When 12-year-old boy goes to the temple with his... 12-year-old Jesus goes to the temple with his parents. <clears throat> After three days, they found him in the temple courts, 
sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. There their boy is, not over playing games with the other kids. There their 12-year-old is, acting like a man, and even acting like a rabbi, answering and teaching the men, the Jewish rulers. And she doesn't understand everything because this says she doesn't understand what he means when he says, don't you know I need to be in my father's house? But she knows it's significant anyway. I wonder if you take that verse, if she thought about it at the cross, when it says, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Do you think she was remembering 12-year-old Jesus as she stood at the foot of the cross where he was bleeding because of spikes his hands and his feet. And a crown of thorns that must have hurt with long thorns. But not just the pain of wearing a crown of thorns physically. But the humiliation that that crown of thorns was to be. To watch your son breathe the way he did. Well, she was there at the cross. She was there. And Jesus knew she was there. In John 19, verses 26 and 27, the Bible says that when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, being John, standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his mother's home, into his own home. What a difficult moment that must have been. A difficult moment even for Jesus. As he remembers the pain of his mother, you remember he cried back when Lazarus died. And now here he is dying himself with his mother and Mary Magdalene and John and his aunt in front of him. She was there. She was faithful She was faithful even when the world was against him. She did not turn her back. She didn't necessarily understand everything, but she did not turn her back on her son. She was faithful after the cross. You remember Jesus was resurrected in three days and he spent spent time with his apostles, more than a month with his apostles and, and disciples. I've never really thought a lot about it until I was preparing this sermon. I don't know why. But I wonder what it was like when his mother had the opportunity to hug him again and to see a resurrected son. What it must have been like for her 
that she had remained faithful. She was still there. He had fed 5,000 and they had gone away. Others he had healed and none of them are at the cross. But she's there. She stayed faithful even after the cross and what we learned 50 days after the crucifixion. 50 days later, we get to the day of Pentecost and you sometimes remember that the church started that day. That was the day when things were revealed from the Holy Spirit. But it says who was there that day. We see it in Acts 1.14. Says they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and the Holy Spirit made sure we knew, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They were faithful even after he was dead. They stayed. Now, here's why because the resurrection is what gives us hope. Sin does not win. Death does not win. Coronavirus does not win. Cancer does not win. Hate does not win. Jesus wins. Christians, live like the resurrection gives hope. Do not live your life in fear. Do not live your life afraid of what's on the outside. Do not live your life cowering away from God, but instead run toward God. The resurrection is what makes it all worth, worth everything. You know what Jesus did? He died, but he transitioned. You know, we talk about this all the time. When we die, really what we're doing is transitioning. We are already in Christ. And then finally, we will be, it will be revealed to us that we are truly in Christ when we see Jesus, and we will be with him forever. That is incredible. So here's what I ask after week after week after week of quarantine. Will my hope persevere? Some of us when this started, we might have had our Bibles out and we were reading the Bible and we were studying and we were watching 14 preachers every Sunday. We were watching devotionals during the week. We were watching Facebook lessons and we were praying like we had never prayed. And then came week two and three and four and five and six and on and on and on. And maybe our faith has started to dissipate. The hope of an empty tomb should never dissipate. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. And that does not change. It does not change if there is a coronavirus pandemic or if there is a bubonic plague. It does not change. It does not change if my stocks go up by 500% or if it's all gone. The resurrection is where the hope is. May we live like resurrected people. And this morning, if you need help, call us, email what you see there on the screen, elders at mcoc.org. Let us know if it's private or public, or public. If it's private, only the elders and ministers will pray for you. If it's public, the church will be praying for you. And if you need to be baptized, we will make arrangements to make that happen even today. We want to be right. We want to be with Christ because he is truly the right one. We want to persevere. Let's pray.
Dear God, we need you. We get tired. We get worn down. But Father, the hope is not in us. The hope is in you. It's in what you have already done. And in knowing what you will do, knowing that the day will come when we see Jesus in the clouds, oh, we look forward to it. Admittedly, it scares us a little because we've never been through it before. But we look forward to it. Because we will be with you forever. Father, we commit right now that we will not let anything steal our hope. Not a virus, not an economic situation, not bad relationships, not cancer, nothing. Nothing will steal our hope. Father, we commit to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.